0: horseman extraordinaire, I think, from the US. We're going to have a chat to him. But before we do, I just want to have a quick chat about values. And at International Horse College, horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance when humans have any interaction with horses. Within all the courses at International Horse College, only safe methods are utilised that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. So we only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now Al, how are you going today? We're going to talk about logical problem solving and Al, I think... You know, one thing that I do like about your training methods is you talk about them in such a logical fashion. And I find that with a couple of really good horsemen, you know, it's just, you just go, yeah, but it's logical. It's not sort of some fancy secret. It's logical, but you've got to have that common sense and that experience and the knowledge to work it out, I think. So, um, yes, if you can teach us a little bit more about logical problem solving today, that would be brilliant.
1: Well, thank you, Glennis. I've been training horses as a professional now for over 50 years. So, you know, and I know it's got to be logical to the people I teach. It definitely has to be logical to the horses that I'm teaching. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, no, that makes sense. I like the way you explain it, but let's talk, and this is, it's a problem. This first one, we're going to talk about picking up correct lead or picking up leads. It's a problem for people that don't know how to do it. And I know that you teach quite a few people and you have taught you know, many, many people of all different sorts of levels. How many world championships are we up to at the moment, Al?
1: Well, right now we're just about 50 World War and Reserve World Champions, so, uh, and I'm hoping for more.
0: Yes, and I think that, um, you know, that just shows your experience in teaching such a wide variety of riders that, you know, you can start them off at a certain level, but we certainly know where they're aimed. But this whole problem about picking up leads, what have you got to say about that?
1: Well, you know, uh, Glenis, it seems to be an ongoing problem. It has to do with a lot about collection, you know, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people try to. You know, make a horse take a lead that isn't it isn't natural sometimes for, them because horses have a tendency to want to take the front lead, and a lot of times people take the leads on a turn, so they'll want to take the front lead. But because I call it horses are bilateral, the more you turn to the left, the more the hip wants to go to the right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's a process that you have to first teach a horse to move off your legs properly. So it's, a, it's part of collection, it's a part of controlling the horse's front, so the front doesn't go in the direction you want it to You know, in the process, meaning that if I'm going to take the left lead, really I want to keep the front very straight, and I want the rear end of the horse to go to the left, so the horse must yield off my right leg. And, you know, since it's a, an up and down motion, uh, uh, really the, the lope or the gallop is a is a round forward rolling kind of motion that's up and down. So rather than, um, you know, people have a tendency to turn and trot into the lead a lot, you know, when they're first starting a horse. Yes. Which surely isn't bad, but to get a true quality departure... Um, you, the hip has to lead, take take the lead first.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what I teach is that you should take your hands to the outside. Let's say if you're going to take the left lead, your hands should both stay to the right, um, maintaining the horse's shoulder to the right. The horse should yield off your right leg. Uh, without moving to the left uh, its entire body. You just want the hip to move to the left. And then, obviously, you add a clock or a little extra leg for forward motion. Then, actually, the hip, the inside hind or left hind leg should initiate the lead. So that's what we teach. And um, it, it takes a personal while to understand that the hind end is the driver of the horse. And uh, not the front end. So um, turning isn't always the right process. Now, Glennis, uh, on on in another drill that I do is that I'll take a horse and you know go down the fence line, use a fence line to do it, and then you know I'll stop and I'll back a few steps and turn into the fence. Mm-hmm. add my outside, let's say I turn into the right, I use my left leg, and as the horse turns, the fence causes a barrier which lifts the horse's front and allows the hind leg, which now be the right hind leg, because I'm turning to the right, as the lead leg. And uh, and that'll teach the horse to move off your left leg and go into the lope properly. So that's another great process that we do. but. You know, uh, if a horse has had its proper um, uh, basics of, you know, learning leg yield exercises like two tracking, side passing, um, things like backing, uh, like that, where you have plenty of control of the front end and the sides of the horse, it makes it more difficult to teach that lead.
0: Okay, okay. I'm, I'm trying to work out that um, exercise, you know, of just sort of going and then towards the fence, but then turning.
1: Yeah. Another another good process you can do to pick up that left lead, let's say, is to stay off the rail a little ways. mm mm-hmm. um, Kind of take your left leg and press the horse toward the rail so you're kind of like two-tracking toward the rail. That yep. I means forward yep. and over. Uh-huh then shift your hands toward the rail to hold the horse down, not not taking the nose to the rail because we want to keep the front straight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you pull the nose to the right when you're trying to take the left lead, that promotes the left shoulder's action, and we don't want to do that. We want to limit the left shoulder action by holding our hands away from the rail, to the rail and then taking that left leg off, adding the right leg, which moves the hip to the left, and the horse departs on the left lead. And that's that's another good, I call it, uh, walking to the rail on the departure. Okay.
0: Okay. Now, I know that, you know, in Western we don't want a horse to be high-headed. You know, you talk about a high-headed horse, and yeah. you want the horse to be relaxed. You, know, you tell me if I've got it wrong, because my background's are a little different to, you know, it's more dressage, but... Um, Uh From what I understand, we want the horse to be relaxed. So we want the pole to be, you know, like, I don't know whether you say level with the weather, but we certainly don't want the horse to be high-headed or have his head up. What can we do there to get the horse relaxed and uh, and have a lower outline, a lower
2: frame?
1: Well, I think whether you're an English rider, a dressage rider, or a Western rider, it doesn't make any difference. Um, You know, I think for a horse to... Um, let's say, take that departure properly Mm -hmm. uh, or to be more level in the head. It has a lot to do with working the horse's hind end and not working the horse's front. And so, you know, a horse that flexes at the pole, even if they raise the pole slightly, um, will have a better tendency to work off their hind end than a horse that is pushing against your hands into the bridle. Now, once a horse learns to, let's say, flex at the pole, then there's got to be a give-and-take motion with your hands. You've got to give back and reward a horse for mm. for what it does correctly. You know, Gladys, I, to get my horses lower and more relaxed, I, I spend a lot of time pulling single rein and pulling them around in circles and teaching them to give uh, not only the their chin – but their pole and their neck and relaxing the shoulders. Mm. And after I pull a horse around uh, enough, the horses will have a tendency, once they do give, they'll want to relax and drop their head, and then I give them slack and teach a horse that when they give, I give back. And uh, that has a tendency to lower the horse's head and make them, like you said, more relaxed. You know, most high-headed horses are either one of two things. They're either a horse that um, you know, has no discipline and no give to the bridle, or sometimes they're confirmationally built to be a little higher-headed, which is okay. We don't want to change that, but just like you said, relaxing a horse will make them naturally, even a horse that has a little foul confirmation, let's say, a little more upright in the neck, Will still make them relax and flex and want to lower. You know, horses, even a high-headed horse can eat grass, right? Yes, yes. You know, so, so we we must remember that. And mm. when they're eating grass, they have their head down and they're they're relaxed and they are conformationally built so they can. So every horse can break um, at the pole and relax their neck and their withers to the point of being lower than even sometimes than their conformation lends it.
0: I'm still laughing about that even a high-headed horse can eat grass. You know, we like to come up with all the excuses in the world why my horse is different, my horse can't do this and my horse can't do that. But um, when you start talking about high-headed horses eating grass, yes, yes, I understand. Yeah. I'm sure you would have come across, you know, not just quite a few different horses, but quite a few different owners that you need to train as well. So I think you must have developed a good style to be able to communicate with them as well.
1: Well, when a horse, you know... Uh, most high-headed horses are ridden by people that don't use their legs properly, you mm-hmm. know, and um, being a dressage rider as you are, you know and the importance of uh, leg control and rounding a horse's back so the horse relaxes their their uh, front end, uh, their shoulders, their neck, and their pole, and their jaw. Mm-hmm. If, if you once anybody that's listened to this that to back up a horse and it's all in their hands all they have to do is quit moving their hands and start moving their legs at the same time and a horse will give it the pull better so that that is the crux of you know what we try to teach is that um, you know you at least ought to be fifty-fifty hands and hands and legs yep. going forward or going backwards or moving to the side. Mm-hmm.
0: What about when the horse is on a circle and they want to duck in on the circle? What can we do to correct that problem?
1: You know, that's the same kind of thing we're talking about. Is that you know. Direct forward motion is a, in a real straight line, you know, and that's sometimes very difficult for people to understand. Um, you know, they'll try to do all kinds of things to a horse. Uh, the very first thing we want to train a horse to do is uh, align their body in a straight line and go forward um, from head to tail. Um, you know, and when you start circling, a lot of times people will list and they'll they'll put their weight slightly to the inside of the circle to try to help the horse to turn and it does them detriment um, rather than trying to lead the horse slightly to the inside, moving the head slightly to the inside, but keeping the inside shoulder up. Most horses, you, you hardly ever see... A horse, Glennis, you've ridden a lot, and you understand the more you circle a horse, the more a horse wants to cut to the inside of the circle. Very seldom, unless it's a very poorly broke horse, does a horse circling want to go to the outside of the circle? Yeah. Yep. Um, I have a thing. Strong riders ride to the outside. Weak riders ride to the inside. Mm. And that means that you should keep the inside shoulder up, horse should be look slightly into the inside of the circle so let's say the circle should be a perfect arc you know like the head should be on the shoulder on the circle the shoulder should be on the circle and the hip on the circle so if you have a horse that wants to duck to the inside um, take your hands both hands to the outside keep the nose slightly inside but kind of ride with your legs and keep the inside shoulder up and yes. that will do that and you know, if your horse is very difficult doing that, maintain that arc to the inside and walk your horse in a reverse arc circle to the outside enough till the horse starts to understand how to align his body.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We try and get our horses even on both sides, but what about backing up? You know, if the horse won't back up straight, are they telling us something, or what can we do to fix it if they back up? <laughs> It, you know, you say, go straight, and you sit there, and you look, and you think everything's correct, straight, ask the horse to go backwards, and they've drifted off to the right or drifted off to the left. What can we do
1: there? Gladys, you know, the, the first thing a rider normally does that it doesn't have proper discipline with their legs and hands is if the horse's rear end starts back into the right, they kick it with the right foot.
0: Yes, yes. And they
1: they say you know, they say, you know, I'm trying to hold your rear end over. You know, it's hard to control a horse by doing that. So I teach that a horse is like a three-wheel cart. Mm-hmm. The back end is basically fixed with two wheels, so the back end shouldn't move much. The front end should rotate and be able to spin, turn, go in a different direction, roll back, uh, you know, whatever like that. So they're, they access the access is off. So if your horse starts backing crooked and his hip is backing to the right, I simply move the front over in alignment with the hind end so that the horse now is backing straight. Align the front rather than trying to align the back. And what you'll get is you'll get a horse that understands that he's supposed to, you know, keep his hip within his shoulders, basically. So instead of using your leg to straighten the horse up, Merely just move the whole front over, align with the back, and then re-back. Most horses back crooked because riders are pulling stronger with one hand or the other, Mm -hmm. or use one leg stronger than the other. So we got to make sure that everything's equal when we back our horses up too.
0: Okay. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. And you talked about the circles, you know, and I know that you said that when a horse um, does duck in on the circles, that we've got to keep the inside shoulder up. We've got to keep the horse looking in the direction of the circle, just following that shape. What about, like you asked the horse's nose in the turns, reverses, whatever, and what happens if the horse is not following their nose in the turns?
1: You know, it's another process where, You have to teach a horse and you have to teach a rider to learn how to make a perfect circle. A perfect circle is, let's say if we take a 12-foot circle, the head should be on the circle. Mm -hmm. So looking slightly to the inside. The shoulder should be on the circle, so the shoulder can't be leaning to the inside. And the hip should be on the circle, so the horse is walking in an alignment of Mm -hmm. following the arc. around. Horses that want to have a tendency to pull their head to the outside, What's happening there is usually the rider's using too much outside leg and maybe too much outside rein. Um, I've got a thing that I try to teach Glennis called the triangle hand position. That means if a horse is turning to the left, the inside hand should be against the neck and slightly up, and the outside hand should be out to the outside and slightly away with equal rein pressure. When you have that, you have a triangle between your hands and down to the bit. So now with that triangle hand position, the inside rein controls the shoulder and the outside rein controls the hip. And with that, you'll never have a horse that reverses the arc or looks to the outside when turning to the inside. It really helps a lot. And just remember... Everything a horse does is through repetition, and um, if we repetitiously do wrong, that means we try to force a horse to turn off the neck rein too much, Um, you know, obviously the horse's head is going to go in the opposite direction, because we're forcing the horse. If we teach the horse that every time he turns to the left, he must follow his nose to the left, and the outside neck rein should be light then the horse will start following us nose much better.
0: Yes, yes. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So, if you work in the horse industry... 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Yeah, as you said, it's logical. I'm just going through them in my mind. And it's amazing training horses English Western. It's got to be logical. The horse has got to understand yes. it. And as you say, if you're training people, the people have got to understand it.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a way that, um, you know, lightness of a person's uh, there's a there's a time to pull your horse and there's but most the time the lighter you are with your hands and the stronger you are with your legs the better the horse will respond mm-hmm. and most generally most riders ride the opposite stronger with hands and weaker with legs so as you know in dressage it doesn't lend itself to a very uh, um um Pliable horse. If you're too firm with your hands and don't have any direction with your legs, riding the horse from the back to the front rather than the front to the back.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Tell us about a little bit about bitting. Like horses that chomp at the bit. Just explain what you mean by chomping, and tell us what we can do for that horse that's chomping at the bit.
1: Well, yeah, Gladys, a lot a lot of people will put a bit on a horse that the horse doesn't really pallet very well. Okay. Um, and you have to train a horse's mouth. Um, you have to train a horse to take a pull. You have to train a horse to give their pull. You know, all those things just aren't natural, um, you know, when a horse is just running out, you know. Uh, we have to train these horses to do this, but we also have to train a willingness into the horse, too some people will put a bit on a horse and think that bit is a controlling factor and and it's not, it's the processes that you do that teach a horse control. Um, So, and then horses will become nervous or they'll dislike the taste of the bit and they'll open and close their mouth or what we call chomp the bridle. You know, um, I'm going to tell you something real quick. That's real interesting. Um, the vaquero tra- style of training was the training that came up through the, through the Spaniards that came up through Mexico into Southern California and became very popular, and is still popular today. And the vaqueros that trained in those days believed that when you pull on a horse initially, that the horse will resist. And we know that's the way it is because they don't understand. At that time, it's okay if a horse opens their mouth. Um, because they're resisting and pushing against the bit. As a horse is pulled from side to side or pulled around, many times the horse becomes softer in the neck and softer in the pole. The horse starts to flex the pole. They'll naturally close their mouth and be better with the bit. Um, So that was the feral method that they taught along the way that it was okay for horse, when they are first being taught, to open their mouth so that they'll learn to give their jaw. So once the horse gives their jaw, the next thing they do is give the pole. After they give the pole, they close the mouth. And then we've got a release right there and, and tell them that, that that's correct. A lot of the bits that we use today are made of not what I call cold steel or true iron. And a lot of the bits today, uh, stainless bits and such like that, don't have um, the same palatability or the same taste to a horse. And most of the bits that came from the past all had um, were made of cold steel or what's called sweet iron. And then a lot of those bits were inlaid with copper. And the copper in that bit caused salivation and the salivation caused a horse to have a softer mouth and want to have a tendency to, you know, like the bit better, pallet the bit better, and hold the bit better in their mouth. And so that's another thing. Uh, most of the cheap bits that they bought today are made of the best steel. And uh, we know that for a fact. And you can't expect a horse to pallet that bit the same as he would a quality bit with cold steel.
0: Mm, mm. That combination, you know, the combination of the metal. So it's the combination yeah. of the metal that's going to make the horse salivate more.
1: Yes. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, and and many of the bits, you know, the quality bits had copper inlaid in the mouth mouthpieces of yes. the day, and uh, a lot of those that that was one of the things that horses seem to. Uh, really like is Mm. the copper so you know obviously the bits that i use many of them have copper in the mouth
0: yeah yeah do you start with the snaffle and then go to the curb tell us about how you transition Then you know what are you looking for in a horse that's going well in a snaffle when do you transition them to the curb bit
1: you know a lot of riders today um and all over the world will keep a horse in a snaffle for a long period of time again you know, I learned the Vaquero method, basically, and the Vaquero method said that, uh, you know, once I ride a bit, I ride a horse in a spaffle, and teach them all the basics, teach them to stop well, back well, turn well, um, you know, control, flex at the pole, all that type of stuff. Uh, by the time a horse was in their three-year-old year, um, sometimes we would transcend and ride him in a hackamore for a while. Uh, you know, which is a rawhide piece of equipment that has no bit in the mouth and, uh, you know, is uh, ridden for the horsehair reins. Um, and, you know, it was there for, for to get a bit out of the horse's mouth for a while. It was a transition piece of equipment to teach the neck rein. It's exactly what it was. So um, that was the transition, not straight from the snaffle to the curved bit. Today, um, because you know that is a, a little bit of a dying art, I wrote a book on it a while back called "The Art of Hackamore Training." Okay. And um, and ho- hopefully that made it made a difference for some people because then taught them that how important that transition was. But when you get the horse to a certain stage in the snaffle bit, horses become a little bit tall in the snaffle. And uh, and then people have a tendency to get rougher uh, to try to make the horse do the things that it once did or that they hope it did. And instead, there's a time if a horse is well trained in, in doing the basics along their way in their three or four year old year. If you even if you don't go to the hackamore, you're ready to go to a curb bit and have the leverage using the chin groove of the horse. And the the pressure on the bars of the horse to keep the horse soft in the bridle and keep the horse flexible and keep the horse having that kind of willingness. So, you know that that would be the trans the the transfer between snaffle. Uh, a lot of times, people, including myself, will ride a horse in what's called a shank snaffle. So it's a curb bit. But it has the snaffle mouthpiece, and it's the same as the snaffle bit you've been riding the horse in. So it's a little bit easier transition because the they have uh, don't have a, a bar across the tongue. Instead, they have the same broken mouthpiece that uh, the horse has been used. to. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. This book, The Art of Hackamore Training, can people still get that? Is it still in print?
1: Oh yeah, sure. You can get it through my company, ADTAC at aldunning and, okay. and uh, it's a it's a wonderful book. It it is the best selling book of Western Horseman magazine at this time.
0: Okay, very good, very good. Now, horses, and and this is a problem. It's not particularly a Western problem. It's horses that want to keep going towards the gate. You know, you're trying to do a circle, they come around, they fall out, they drift towards the gate one way, then when they're over the other side of the circle, they're drifting towards the gate. This has got to be a common problem.
1: Absolutely.
0: What do you recommend that, that we do, you know, or we'll talk about what causes it, but then what can we do to fix this?
1: Well, you know, again, the process is uh, making sure your horse understands the direct pull, Understands that, that you can control its outside shoulder with the outside leg and outside rein by, you know, side passing, two tracking, you know, doing the all the leg, leg yield exercises that you know about, I know about, and that uh, everybody should know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but but here's what here's pretty typically what happens: horses comes around a the corner, they see the gate on the right. Yep. So they start to they start to drift to the right. So the rider pulls the left rein, and the horse drifts harder to the right because now the shoulder is leading to the right side. Yep. Now the heads heads to the left, but a horse can run sideways really fast. <laughs> so what you got to do then is is in concert with the inside rein, you must use the outside rein and outside leg and limit the horse's bend. Um, you know, obviously, controlling the horse to the point of stopping is important at that time, and turning away from the, the magnetic gate, let's say, that is attracting the horse yep. or the opening in the arena. Um, it's the same with a horse that spooks, Glennis, You know, let's say you're riding towards something, mm-hmm. and the horse wants to spook at something on the right, um, the it wants to go to the left hard. Well, people pull the nose to the right at the at the spooking thing, which makes the horse even go faster away. Then the controls come from the outside of the horse. If we remember in our brain that horses when they're straight are usually in better control than horses as it is in a in a, a bend. So the straighter we keep our horse, when it gets out of control, the better they'll flex at the pole, and the easier it is to control the hind end of the horse, which really that's where the the whole process is the problem. And Everybody always goes to the front end to try to fix it, and it's really trying to control the back end and get everything straight, slowed down. So my, my process would be if my horse was spooking away from the right gate, instead of just pulling its head to the right, I would I would kick it up fairly straight. I'd rock both hands, I would rock the bit across the horse's mouth and try to get the horse to flex the pole, slow down. And then once I got control of the horse, I would probably, continue to make some circles until the horse got better and better understanding and you know Glennis, a lot of people's the problem with the gate is the horse has been attracted to the gate because the people ride out the gate and yes. Um, yes. you know if you if you'll if you'll just wear a little wear a little shoe leather out and get off at the far side of the arena and lead him out the gate or even take to the process of you know, taking a halter with you and tying the horse on the other side of the arena until it's comfortable over there and maybe lead it out at a different gate or a different position and uh and not, you know, you know, tell it, hey, when all the pressure's off and everything else and no training's happening, you you head to the barn, you know. So you gotta take that out of the horse and you have to say, hey, the happy place is in the arena okay. and the comfortable place is in the arena and then you've got to actually think that in your head. Yeah. Think past, mm-hmm. have some other processes to be able to teach the horse that the arena is the good place. And really going out, you should probably be off and leading rather than riding out the gate.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Now, I understand that. And I think, um, you know, just that, I like the wearing out a bit of shoe leather, you know, get off your horse over the other side. And so the horse is looking for somewhere else in the arena as the good place rather than just let's get out the gate, let's just get out of here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, we might have a young horse and, and, you know, call it, you know, just holding its regular rhythm, um, correct tempo, but a horse that doesn't rate his speed – Or runs off. Tell us a bit about the terminology. What you mean by rating the speed and running off?
1: You know, we all want a horse that can go um, like a car, meaning that in uh, in the lowest gear the car goes very slow, and Mm -hmm. as you shift more, the the car goes faster. And you get to the point where you want to slow down. You should be able to slow down, even to the point of necessary stop. And uh, so as we train a horse, we got to train them through those gears. Uh, we want to be able to teach a horse that when it goes that that horse has what we call rates at speed. You know, you and I have talked a lot about flexing at the pole. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people wonder wonder why we do that. You know, a lot of the would-be horsemen, they all say, well, it's not necessary for a horse to flex at the pole. But it is because the pole, the mouth connects to the pole, the pole connects to the withers, the withers connects all the way down through the spine to the dock of the tail, and controls the back end of the horse. So, the more we have a horse that gives its jaw, and gives its pole, and flexes its neck, the more control you have over the back end, which is the driver of the horse. So, as we speed up, we teach a horse, as we speed up, when we pick up our reins, the horse should slow down, again, in concert to the amount of pressure you've added to the bridle. And that's a very important part. Too many people want to go too fast, too soon in a horse's training. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm a proponent of doing what you should do um, and not waiting forever to go faster, but I'm also a proponent of knowing your horse and knowing when he's ready to go faster and be able to stay under control and relaxed. Most most horses, as you stated earlier, that want to get away, get out of control, um, have a problem rating their speed, it's strictly a relaxation problem. So doing lots of circles, uh, turning into the fence, uh, teaching a horse to flex at the pole, teaching a horse to back up really good, um, will keep a horse from wanting to run away with you, or you know, get out of control, or um, you know, push against the bridle and raise their head up, and you know, absolutely not, uh, you know, respond to the pick up the reins. So, you know, M- well, Gladys, I learned real early that when a horse wants to go forward. To fix uh, a horse should never have unrequested forward motion, mm-hmm. meaning that, that I should ask the horse to go forward. That's that's what we should do. The horse shouldn't overwillingly, uh, uh, uncontrollably want to go forward. Yep, yep. So what what we learned is when a horse takes a, f- a wrong step forward, we should turn the front so you actually take front foot from going straight ahead to the side which will normally slow a horse down um there's a process that we learned training young horses a long time ago um, that came from the Vitero method called doubling, where if a horse wants to charge forward, you reach down, take the slack out of the rein, pull their head around your leg, and actually make them in a turn. That's called doubling. And then the next time he does it, you turn in the opposite direction. And pretty soon, he learns to you know, control off of one rein or the other, yep. moving side to side rather than, you know, forcefully forward.
0: Yeah. Al, this is where, you know, like you were saying about you don't want to ask the horse too soon. People are in a hurry. They want to get there. They want to get there. And it's uh-huh. not that you don't want to get there because, you know, 50 world and reserve champions, I think, you know, you obviously know where you're headed. But that's your eye as a horseman that can say, no, we can't take the horse any further today. That's enough for today. We still have that goal of the world championships, but for today, that's enough for that horse. And um, yeah. Well,
1: you know, part of part of learning how to um, train is making sure you have the proper amount of time to do it right. Mm-hmm. But m- most young trainers need, moreover, than that, they must learn when to quit. You know, when a horse thinks he's accomplished something, when he feels comfortable, when he's relaxed, things like that. Uh, never get into a fight with a horse. Uh, never get a horse too hot. Um, never get a horse mad. Uh, never get mad at a horse. Uh, those kind of things are, have to be in your repertoire to be a good horseman.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: yep, yep. One last question, Al, before you go. Horses that are hard to bridle, You know, there's obviously a reason that they're hard to bridle, but what do we do with them? What's the best method?
1: Well, you know, most people don't know how to put on a bit properly, number one. And some horses are afraid of their head. Um, So obviously the first process is to be able to halter a horse properly and make the horse like to have the halter on. You know, want to have your companionship, want to lower their head into the halter, put their head through the through the nose part of the halter. I mean, that makes it real simple. If you can't halter a horse properly, you shouldn't be putting a bridle on them yet. You okay. know? So that's that's first. The second mm-hmm. part is making your horse you know, like your companionship a little bit, meaning that the more you rub their neck and rub their pole and rub their nose, the lower their head gets. Um, you know, I've seen some very small people be able to bridle a very tall horse. And it's because they're patient, they have to be. you know, they they can't reach up, and get that horse. The horse has to lower the head. But um, by holding the bit in your in your fingers and inserting your thumb, on the side of the mouth, cracks the mouth wide enough to allow the bit to go through without banging against the teeth. And that is such an important part that people forget. They try to force the horse to open their mouth by putting the bit against the teeth. And that that really makes the horse resist, rather. But by inserting your thumb in the corner of the mouth, uh, there's no teeth in that. It's called the bars of the horse's mouth. It doesn't hurt your thumb, but it does crack the mouth slightly and allow the bit to you know, slide into the mouth properly. And, and you know, Glennis, it's just as important when taking the bit off. So when you take the bit off, you should, you know, make sure you unhook un- your curb strap or your, uh, your throat latch and slide the head stall over and let the horse open his mouth to drop the bit Be patient right there and teach him that that's the release, the relaxation part too.
0: Yeah. yeah. Look, I like the way you've broken that down, you know, even to the point where you're saying, learn how to put the halter on first, you know, before you put the bridle on. Make sure you put the halter on correctly, otherwise you've got no, yep. And you shouldn't be putting the bridle on if you can't put the halter on.
1: Yep. Everything we teach a horse has to have basics or background, right? Mm. So, you know, that that part of haltering a horse has so much to do with uh, with how they react to their ears how they react to their mouth, how they react to their muzzle, and what they do with their neck. So that's just an important part of the process.
0: Al, it's been wonderful talking to you again. It's just been great, and I think you've just... Yeah, you're doing some logical problem solving. You're thinking about it from the horse's point of view, both short-term and long-term, you know. So short-term, what the horse needs right now, but long-term, let's see if we can get this horse to the World Championships, you know, short-term, long-term. But you're also thinking about training people to think that way as well. And I think that's part of your credibility as a horseman. I think that's really good. Al, if people would like to contact you you know, and especially if they'd like to look at that book too and, and buy that book, um, The Art of Hackmore Training, or any of the others that you've got, and you've got them on your website, which is aldunning.com, is the best way to contact you through the website?
1: Yes, it is. You know, okay. uh, you, know uh, you can either contact me through the website at aldunning.com, A-L-D-U-N-N-I-N-G.com, or at, at my email is al. My name A L at Aldunning dot com. It's very yeah. simple. And so uh, you know, I do I write for many magazines. I love doing the first chapter. with you. And you know, we've written five books with Western Horseman magazine about processes of training and um we just enjoy the whole thing.
0: Okay, okay. And if you like to go to, to horse chats as well, you could go to horse chats and you could probably just search for Al, Al Dunning, or I think even now if you um you know, talk about logical problem solving or even if you search for Hackamore you'd probably find Al as well and um, yeah have a look through the other guests but certainly go and have a look at Al and all his contact details will be at the bottom of that page so um yeah look forward to catching up with you again Al I think you're you know when you come and you talk and you've had so much experience we've just got to keep listening and every time you come on you're talking about something different you know I mean the same probably underlying message but always just something different and different techniques and different things to think about so thank you thank you for coming on
1: Well, you're more than welcome. It's it's an honor to be on your show. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352.